Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by the way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they, they begged him to lay his hands on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift it is to pray in your house, to pray together, to know that Jesus prays for us. The Holy Spirit prays the words we don't know how to pray. So Lord, would you take our prayers, our silence, our thoughtfulness to the throne of God? Say all the things that we could not say. We pray for this world that you love. Bring it to your feet. And ask you to do your will. And may we be so blessed as to play a part in that. God, we ask this morning that you would um, cure our deafness. That you would open our ears to hear you, Lord to become more acquainted with your voice and your touch and the way that you move through the world. Would you open my ears, Lord, so that I can hear what you want me to say and to say it plainly as this man did. We thank you for these stories of healing. And it's Jesus in your healing name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It is very good to pray with you um, and very grateful to have Micah to lead us through uh, moments like that, prayerful, worshipful moments, and it's just good to be together and do that. My name is Jenny Seibel. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's great to be in church with you this morning. I'm once again uh, more than thrilled to be in the Gospel of Mark uh, this morning with you, and uh, if you're a friend of the lectionary or if you're a better Anglican than I am, you know that I have cut out a giant chunk of this text that I was supposed to read and preach from this morning. And um, it's, it's, it's a difficult text, but that's honestly not the reason I cut it out, um, mostly because this text in particular, this healing story, never gets its own Sunday. It never gets its own airtime. And I just think it's so good that I wanted the chance to be able to sit in it with you this morning and to really go kind of movement by movement through this text, through this healing story with Jesus. Um, so you may be thinking, she, she skipped a whole lot. And you're right, I did. Um, but it's, I, I think it's going to be for the best for us this morning. I'm excited to be in the story. So if you're uh, familiar with the Gospels at all or with the stories of Jesus' healings, you'll, you'll know that this one's a little odd. It's a little strange. Not only does Jesus do some kind of weird things, but there's not dialogue. There's not a sort of like person-to-person -person moment that kind of happens um, with this guy that we like hear a little bit of his backstory or um, that he calls out the name of Jesus. We don't even hear anything from him. He's a pretty passive participant 
in his whole healing. Um, so it's a really interesting story. It causes us as readers and listeners to look at the verbs, to kind of like locate the actions within the text and ask ourselves what is happening. That's actually a really good way to study your Bible. If you ever get to a story where you're like, I don't know what's happening here, or I want to do, do an interesting exercise, write down all the verbs that are in the story, and then go through those verbs and see the action of what's happening in the story. It's a really great devotional way to engage a text. So if we do that this morning and kind of sit with the actions of Jesus, what, what are the verbs that Jesus is doing? Uh, we find kind of like five main spaces where Jesus is acting, and I want to really sit with those this morning and ask ourselves, um, what is Jesus saying through these things? So the first action of Jesus is that he brings his healing to unexpected people and places. So where we find ourselves in, uh, geographically in this story is in the region of the Decapolis, the Ten Cities, which, if you don't know, which I didn't, is Gentile territory. So uh, Jesus has gone into, as a Jewish person, into a Gentile space. So he's already kind of like broken some laws about where Jewish people ought to go. And then not only that, but he's been spending time there, like dining at Gentile tables and talking to Gentile people. And then we see in this story, very um, uh, <laughs> interesting and strange ways for a Jewish person to be engaging with a Gentile, right? Sharing spit, never something that would have happened. Uh, so we see that Jesus not only entered into these spaces, but he's doing really strange things within, within this space that he typically would not be allowed into. And Jesus is showing us here that there is no place that his healing can't go. There is no place he's unwilling to bring his healing to. And that's really good news for you and for me. So I've been asking the question, where are the places in my life that feel most disconnected from God? most disconnected from my spiritual life, or most disconnected from who I know myself to be as a Christian? What are the least Christian spaces in your life? For some of us, for a lot of us, I think, actually, it's work. Um, we somehow like leave behind all the Christian ways that we build up our lives and go into the workplace and enter this pagan space as it feels to a lot of us, you know, it feels like an unholy space. I don't feel that way, but I have, I'm, I'm a priest. Um, maybe you don't feel that way and that's great, but that is the space for a lot of us. We have, um, we have the, this work is this kind of space that for us is kind of like Gentile territory. For others of us, it's a group of friends that we have. Maybe you have to become a kind of different person when you're with them. When you're in that space, you take on a new language or something, a new way of being. Or maybe for you, it's your family. It's with even certain members of your family that you feel like you walk into a sort of different land when you're there, when you're with them, and you leave behind the person that you have uh, grown into in Christ in order to go into that space. Wherever it is for you, it's typically in those spaces that we're particularly deaf to the voice of Jesus. And then that we, our language changes. We're maybe not even able to say the things that we want to say. As Christians, we come um, more and more able to encourage and speak uh, blessing and uh, be, in, uh, be excited about the world, have, have a little bit of spiritual optimism. And I find that when I'm in those places, uh, those places in my life that feel disconnected from my life as a Christian, I lose those abilities. All of a sudden, things feel unspiritual to me. Uh, it becomes really hard to hear what God might be saying to me in a moment, and even harder to say the things that I ought to say. For me, this is uh, some members of my family. When I get in their space, it's like I lose 
all the parts of me that I, I fight so hard to grow in the rest of my life. I lose the kind of uh, sanctuary space that I build with Jesus in my, my prayer life with him. And, and it feels all of a sudden as though I've lost some of my faculties of being able to be uh, a Christian, being able to be with Jesus. And the, the great thing about who Jesus is and what this story is telling us is that Jesus wants to go to those places what he wants to do for us is integrate our lives. That's actually what the healing of Jesus does, is it reintegrate things that have been disintegrated. It brings a holistic kind of healing to us, not just a cure, but a healing. He doesn't just fix things, but actually does really deep work. And that's what Jesus is showing us in this moment, is that he wants to go to those Gentile regions in your life, and he wants to bring himself into those spaces. Because the truth is for you and me, very likely those spaces are filled with places that need healing. I know that's true for me. The places that feel the least spiritual in my life need a lot of healing, either in myself or in the people that I'm going to be with and to um, fellowship with or work with, whatever it may be. There's a lot of healing that needs to be there in those spaces. And so for us to kind of separate out that place from, from the holier places in our life actually depletes the ability of Jesus to bring healing to those places. And I think what Jesus wants to do is to walk right into those spaces and dine, you know, um, talk, be there, be present. So the second action of Jesus is that he receives this man from, I think, his friends, um, and the, the text says he takes him aside in private, away from the crowd. So we kind of have this like extra movement away from the crowd. He takes him away in private, away from the crowd. Mark really wants us to know that Jesus really made a move with this guy. He really took him away, away, you know, not just off to the side. And as I was sitting with this text and kind of imagining as we do, you know, what it would have been like to, to be this guy. And I'm imagining Jesus taking me away from the crowd. And it's in the Decapolis, which is the place of 10 cities. So there's lots of people here. You know, I, I wonder how far they actually had to go <laughs> to get away from the crowds. This may have been a long walk. So as I'm imagining this, as the guy, I, I envision myself asking a million questions. Who, who really is this guy, Jesus? Where are we going? What are we going to do? Because he can't hear in the way that you and I can, and so he can't, and he can't speak. He can't ask the questions. So there's probably a lot of mystery surrounding this moment that he's, uh, that's happening to him. And so he's being led away, led away with Jesus, and he's asking probably a million questions, has a lot of fears coming up in him around this moment. And for me, this is just exactly what it's like to pray. When I do the work that Jesus wants me to do of being led away from the crowds, from going in private with Jesus into those spaces where I pray, where I spend time in silence, in solitude, where I enter into kind of holy space, what's the first thing that happens to us? All the things that we keep on the back burner come flooding forward to the foreground of our life, you know? All the things that we work really hard to distract ourselves from, as soon as we have a minute of silence, a minute where we put our phone down, those things swarm to the front of our brains. Like the anger you feel over your coworker making more money than you, 
or the fear that your house is gonna get broken into, or the family problem that won't go away, or the pervasive loneliness and the desperateness to be married or um, have more friends or whatever the thing may be. Those are the things that flood our mind when we go into prayer, when we go away to be alone with Jesus. And for some of us, that's incredibly frustrating and the reason we don't pray. We don't know how to pray. Our culture isn't set up in a way that we go into a silent space and we um, feel natural there, you know? When we go to pray and we don't feel like this is the way we're meant to live in the world, and, and it is the way you're meant to live in the world. So here, here's what I would say about that. When those things come flooding to the front, those questions, those fears, when you make space to be alone with Jesus, when you make space to pray, that is the exact space where your healing can begin. The exact space where this man's healing began was a quiet journey with Jesus asking a million questions in his head. Because it's those things in us, those things that we carry with us that we're denying, those are the places where we need to bring into the light of Jesus, where we need healing. Have you ever been around someone where they ask how you're doing and 30 minutes later you're crying and <laughs> telling them everything? Um, those people are, are, there's something about them, you know? There's like a tenderness or a gentleness to them, maybe the way they ask the question. Um, sometimes we don't, we don't know what it is. But this is what I believe is we're being shown in this moment in the heart of Jesus is that his heart is like that. His heart is tender and gentle, and there's something about his presence that makes those questions flood, you know, that brings all of our fears and our anxieties to the front so that we can give them to him because his heart is so gentle. So when we sit down in silence where you may feel a sort of emptiness, what your soul feels is the tenderness of Jesus coming near you. And so all of the questions, the fears, all the anxieties, they flood forward. And instead of trying to deny them, I think what Jesus would say to us is like, bring them to me. There's another healing story that I love where uh, right before Jesus heals the person, he says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And this is the question I hear Jesus ask when I sit down in silence with him and before him, is I hear him say, what do you want me to do for you? And then when all of my questions and all of the anxieties flood to the front of my brain, I'm answering that question to him. I'm saying, this is what I want you to do for me. Global pandemic, we're still in it. I need you, I need to bring this to Jesus. This is what I need, I need you to help me through this, you know, um, whatever, the, whatever the thing may be for you. That's the initial space of healing. So don't feel like you're distracted all the time and that's why you can't pray. There's something in the heart of Jesus that draws out those questions in you in your life with him in prayer. So thirdly, the action of Jesus, <laughs> my favorite. He, uh, he sticks his fingers in the guy's ears, and then he spits, and he puts it on the guy's tongue. What a strange moment. <laughs> um, and we see in the rest of the healing stories, there's nothing quite like this. It's not like this is how you heal someone. Not like we have even one other story where Jesus does this exact thing. So like, what is he doing? What's the point of this like strange little moment that's happening between Jesus and this man? He has no prescriptive healing method. Jesus works with the individual needs of all of us. 
the specific ways that we need intimacy with him, that we need to encounter him and be healed by him. It's different for all of us. It's personal because he knows you and he sees you and he knows what hurts. And so he wants to engage with you in the way that you need it. Jan Johnson, a really wonderful author, wrote a book called Invitation to the Jesus Life, and she says this, No two healings were alike because Jesus looked inside each troubled person and then did or said what was needed to enlarge the individual's faith, whether he or she was an outcast leper or a royal official. His love for us and his healing for us are deeply personal and deeply intimate like this story and sometimes deeply frustrating. Um, You know, I can just imagine being around in Jesus' time and and knowing that he had healed a woman and that she had just like crawled behind him and like grabbed his shirt and then all of a sudden she was healed. And then you're like, oh, for me, it's it's spit in my mouth. Okay. (laughs) And how frustrating and strange that probably would have been for this guy if he had heard about the stories of healing, you know? And, And I have sat with that a lot this week and wondered where in my life do things feel strange And so I'm putting off what God could be doing in those places. What feels strange to me may be very personal for me from Jesus, maybe really intimate, you know. I keep imagining when he stuck his finger in the guy's ears. I don't know if you've ever done that, but you have to be close to that person. I went through a lot of these healing stories and thought about what the physicality of them were like, and I can't think of another one where Jesus was this close to someone's face, you know, eye to eye, and I don't think he just like stuck them in and pulled them out, you know, I think they were there for a minute, how weird, and yet like this man got Christ's gaze at him for a while, and I'm just wondering, like, am I, what, am I focusing on the, the fingers in my ears and not on the gaze of Jesus, you know? Not on the up-close and personal nature of what it is that he's doing in my life, the specific way he's meeting me, talking to me, and being intimate with me and healing me, you know? What a powerful story to put ourselves into. So the fourth action of Jesus is he looks up to heaven and he sighs. And he says to the man, Ephatha, be opened. So if we're still imagining this, as we do, um, I would imagine his hands are still probably somewhere on the guy's head, maybe if not in his ears, that maybe there's some still some touching that's going on. He looks up to heaven, he sighs, and then he looks at the man and he says, be opened. So this translation of this word sighs is really not a good translation. What we think when we hear sigh is more like, But that's not what Jesus did. Uh, What he does in this moment is, uh, a better translation is groans mightily, which we miss when we think sigh, right? Um, Groans mightily, another, uh, a word used in another place may be for um, childbirth. So if you've ever been at a child's birth, you know that it's not, (sighs) and that's the groan that Jesus is experiencing in this moment. So as I'm thinking about this this week, I realized a thought came into my mind that I've actually been in a moment like this in my life. And I have not like, I'm not like really in the charismatic circle of things, y'all, but I did have a moment like this. So um, 
I was at a retreat a few years ago, and a friend of mine had been having some physical issues, and she kind of went forward to receive prayer. And um, so another friend of mine was praying for her and, and touching her shoulders and praying, praying for physical healing. And after this goes on for a few minutes, um, he start, his, his body kind of starts to change as he's praying for her, and I can see that he's crying, and he's begun praying for deeper things. So he's prayed for the physical healing, but he's also started to notice something from the spirit, that there's something going on in her heart that needs healing. And it starts to really affect him. And, and I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm like five feet away, and I'm watching all this happen in front of me. It was pretty, pretty bizarre and amazing. And um, th- he was showing off to no one, you know. It was just, just a small group of us. And um, anyway, so he starts to really, like, his knees start to buckle. And that's when I remember hearing him groan. Um, not super loud, but it was clear that he was like experiencing something in his body that was really affecting him. And out of him came this sort of groan as he prayed for her. And so when I imagined this story, I had this image of something I really did witness in real life in front of me as I, as I thought about it. And what's happening, what happened in that moment for me that I witnessed and what's happening in this moment with Jesus, with this man, is compassion suffering with someone. So for Jesus in this moment of healing, he doesn't just like lick his finger and say, you're healed, you know? It's, he, he takes on what is going on inside of this man. And my hunch is it's not just the deafness, you know? That he took on whatever was going on in his heart and it like stirred something inside of him. He physically felt what was happening in the man's heart, in his own body, and it made him groan. And out of that groan came Ephatha, be opened. So it was out of this experience of taking on this man's pain that something was birthed in him. Healing for this man was birthed in him. And this is how God has chosen to heal our world. Not to push out magic fingers into it and heal it, but to enter into it, to take on the pain himself, to groan it out of him and then birth something new into the world. This is ultimately what we see in Jesus on the cross, is that he takes all of our pain, all of our sin, all of the evil in this world inside of himself and groans on the cross, dies, and then something is birthed in him that heals the world. So for Jesus, this moment is a real moment of empathy for him, of compassion, of suffering with this man. And all of this groaning, Jesus says afterwards, Afatha, be opened. And I think, you know, Jesus could have just said, be healed. Would have been a perfectly normal thing to say. So why did he say be opened? Why was, why was that word particular for this person, personal for this guy? And I think it's this. Be opened is a sort of universal word of healing. Whatever it is in you that needs to be healed, be opened is such a specific and such a beautiful way to say it, you know? Whether it's a physicality thing, our systems get closed off from other parts of our systems and we need like actual physical healing in those spaces so that things can be healed and whole and flow together, a sort of holistic uh, physical experience. That's true. 
but also that there's something in us, like I said at the beginning of this sermon, that there are places in us where we don't let the flow go, you know, the flow of the Spirit. We cut off these places in our life, and what Jesus wants to do is open up those spaces, open up old things so that the Spirit can come in, so that He can heal those spaces. Be opened as a universal word of healing to whoever you are, wherever you are that we have these a physical experience of being closed off, but we also often have relationships that we become closed off to people. Sometimes to be in relationship with someone, you have to close off a part of yourself. Also not what God wants us to do. A lot of times we become closed off to God. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to pray. We don't want to talk to our Christian friends. We don't read the Bible, whatever it may be. The word to us from Jesus is be opened be open. No matter where you are, what you're experiencing, Jesus wants this for you to be opened. Where are you closed off? To whom are you closed off? Where do you need this word of healing spoken over your life? The last action of Jesus in this story, and we'll close. Jesus tells the man not to tell anyone what happened to him, which probably feels strange to us because whatever happened to sharing the gospel, you know, but also that he healed, what he healed in this man was his ability to hear and also speak. So wouldn't it have been a joy in this man's healing to be able to share what had happened to him? And yet Jesus tells him to be quiet. And here's all that I think that means. It's more of a practical reason for Jesus. Um, the more he was able to do these things in secret, the longer he was going to be able to do them, to heal people. Because the people, the religious elites were after him. So the more they heard about his healing and the the miracles and works that he was doing in the world, uh, the more they wanted to get him. And so the the less they heard about these things, the less they were going to come after him. And so Jesus wanted a, a little bit longer to heal, to be in the world, to be with people, to do these miracles. And so for, for me and for you, I believe, this, what he's saying in this last part of this scripture is that a lot of times, I believe, we don't stick with the healing long enough, you know? Um, maybe a, a one relationship can be reconciled or feel healed, and then we kind of like throw up the victory flag and we're like, I guess I'm whole, you know? Like, I guess this is it. Jesus did the work. And actually, there's a really uh, deeper and longer work that Jesus wants to do. And he says, like, don't, don't throw up the victory flag just yet. Let's keep going down this road of healing together. Um, let's keep this thing open to what else Jesus might want to do in you and in your life. We want to be cured, you know. We don't want healing. We want the relationship to be fixed. We don't want to fix the things in ourselves that got us to that point. And Jesus wants those things. He wants all of us, our whole heart, and not just for himself, but for our healing and for the sake of the world. This is all very good news for you and for me, my friends. Jesus is our healer. One thing that I love, you may not know this about me, is I love uh, catechism. I love baptism. Uh, The whole thing is pretty amazing to me, and I love the history of it. And I found out a new nugget about uh, the history of uh, baptism this week in this story. 
for a lot of ancient traditions, uh, these kinds of traditions that would have people prepare a long time for baptism, come to the church on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter Sunday, and do the vigil all together. The last thing these people would do before they were baptized at midnight is they would come forward for a blessing. And um, the thing that was said over them was, Ephatha, be opened. Like this sort of last blessing before they go into the waters with Jesus. Um, that, that whatever it is that's closed off would ultimately be opened before this really beautiful moment in their life. And something that's a gift of this uh, priestly office is that I get to bless people. And so occasionally on Sundays, we kind of make space for this to happen. So um, if you would like, at the end of the service, I'm just going to stand right here with my mask on and have uh, oil to anoint you, if you would like, on your forehead. And I'll say those words, Ephatha, be opened. And that's all. And you can go get your kids or go to lunch or wherever you need to go. Um, it's just a way for us to, uh, to say to the Lord, we're intentional about this thing. We want the healing of Jesus. Whatever it is that's closed off in you, we want to come forward to him and say, Lord, would you open this? We want to participate with you in this. If you want more prayer after something like that, we will have pastors here at the front who can pray for you. Um, so this is just an opportunity for, for me to bless you this morning, to join with Jesus in what he's doing in your life. Um, so you can come forward. If not, God bless you. We love you so much. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Hello, friends. This is Matthew, the lead pastor at Emmanuel Anglican Church in East Atlanta. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We are disciples of Jesus who are seeking his kingdom and the flourishing of our neighbors. And if you want to find out more about Emmanuel and what's going on, just hop over to our website. The address is Emmanuel, that's with an I, EmmanuelATL.org. Thanks so much. God bless you. Grace and peace.